The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome everyone to One Hour at a Time. This is John McAndrew, your guest host, and uh, we're glad to be with you today. Our guest is Michael Fitzpatrick and Michael was the co-author, along with William Borchardt, of 1,000 Years of Sobriety uh, and also uh, author of the book, We Recovered Too. He's uh, one of the leading historians and speakers in the field of alcoholism, specializing in the development of the 12-step movement. Michael owns what is uh, possibly and probably the largest audio archive related to the 12-step movement ever assembled more than 3,000 original reel-to-reel recordings of the voices of the men and women who pioneered the 12-step movement. And in Michael's new book, uh, he shares recorded excerpts of AA's co-founders, Bill W. and Dr. Bob and those who knew them. The book uh, includes an enclosed CD, and it serves as a collection and accounts and reflections of that of those two people and the and the portrait of these two visionaries and this remarkable recordings in this uh, book. And we're going to share some of those with you today. Welcome, Michael. How are you today? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for having me on the program. Well, we're honored to have it. And I know we have a lot of listeners uh, that are in 12-step programs. I think there's a lot of people, even if they aren't, are interested in this very profound movement called Alcoholics Anonymous, how it was started, and uh, just the historical, not only the facts and reflections, but the impact of it on our culture. And I guess my first question is, uh, how in the heck did you end up uh, having all these tapes and all this stuff and sort of this, this job or opportunity? How, how did it get laid in your lap? Uh, you know, that that's a great question and a great place to start, John. Uh, back in 2005, I actually received a phone call from Brown University, which holds one of the largest AA uh, archives up at Brown, and they asked me to appraise a library, an audio library down in Texas for them, uh, because in my business at the time, I was doing quite a bit of appraisal work. And I agreed to do that, and I went down there and had the opportunity to go through this nothing less than a museum, just an absolutely phenomenal archive where the the husband and wife both were early pioneers in 12 steps, one in Al-Anon and the, the husband in the AA. And he traveled all over the country recording tapes, and he recorded these on reel-to-reel. Uh, in any case, I was able to do that, and Brown decided at the time that it wasn't the right match for what they were looking for, 
I actually now looking back on it, I think they may have been afraid of the of how much work would be involved in digitizing all of these right. and the cost. Um, but the the end result of that was some months later, the family and I, uh, you know, were able to negotiate a a deal where I was able to purchase a library and bring it here to my home. And at such time, we began to to digitize it with the goal of of making it available one day um, for free. Uh, to all people in recovery, and we actually have just recently been able to do that through the website recoveryspeakers.com, and people can use that site, and they can listen to recovery talks we've added to the library, so we have um, other 12-step movements, not just AA and Al-Anon. We've actually got uh, uh, OA and CA and HA and CODA, uh, so we've really got an extensive library. It's uh, all for free. It's, it works on all platforms, um, telephones, iPads, computers, and uh, it's streaming audio, and it works really well. We've actually been doing it now about three weeks, and it looks like it's going really, really good. And so all of this, all the reel-to-reels have been digitized, and I'm sure you've got this stored somewhere. Yeah, you know, really it, it's safely. funny you say that, John. We're actually on about 20% done with the actual project. It, it became very costly to get these reel-to-reels digitized. Uh-huh. So uh, we've got as far as we can go right now. And through the website, we're actually doing a little bit of advertising to help create some revenue so that we can continue to get the project digitized and complete the library, hopefully, in this decade. Holy, what an undertaking. Oh, it's huge. But the result of that was the four books that I've written, um, the three after uh, the book with Bill Borchard, we did A Thousand Years of Sobriety, but then I wrote three books after that, and all three books that I have written were really a compilation uh, I took from the recording. So I went in with the Re-Recover 2 book, and I took the pioneers, and I told their stories and their words and then put audio with it. And the book we're talking about today is exactly what we did with Dr. Bob and Bill W. Speak. Was I took the recording, uh, told the AA, let them tell the AA story in their words, and then we in the e version we've got embedded audio, and in the paperback version there's actually a CD which you mentioned included with the book. Yeah. So when you you started you, t- you started to talk about doing this book. Dr. Bob and Bill speak. Uh, you know, the question, the first question is, I'm sure folks have, or what's going to be different about this? Or, you know, what's going to be, what are we going to hear that we've never heard or talked about in other books? Well, again, you know, um, so many versions of, you know, especially Bill Wilson's life have been, have been put out there in the last two decades. And what I really, what my goal was is to allow the co-founders to tell their story without a lot of interpretation from the author, without me saying, well, this is what I think happened. What I did is I actually took and transcribed their talk, and then I kind of guided into it, and I tried to locate some that had not been previously made available. So that a lot of the information that we have in the book is information that people haven't been able to listen to or see or hear before. Right. We're going to play some tracks today, and why don't we play the first one? This is 
track number eight in the book, and this is where Bill talks about, Bill W. talks about first meeting with Dr. Bob in Akron. Um, and uh, I guess this event now is called Founders Day. It's in every, uh, they celebrate this in every June. This is the year 1954 when, uh, when Bill's talking about his meeting with Dr. Bob. Let's listen to that track right now. Great. Now, Bill recalls the day he and Dr. Bob first met. She goes immediately to the phone. It's Mother's Day. She calls up over there and Ann answers. And Henrietta says, it's a man from New York who says he's an alcoholic, whatever that is, and I think he can help Dr. Bob. And Ann said, well, I, uh, perhaps he can, but not just at the moment, Henrietta, because it is Mother's Day, you know, and Dr. Bob is a sentimental there, but he has just come in with a potted plant for me, which gets placed on a table, but he is so potted that he is under the table, so I, I don't think we'll be over. But, said Annie after a brightly, as one who understood and cared enough, but Ann, can't you come over tomorrow? Well, Ann said, we'll try and bring it. So Henrietta said, take dinner with me tomorrow, and we'll see if we can get them over. And I think it was about five o'clock in the afternoon of that Sunday that Ann and Dr. Bob walked in. Doctor was very restless. Uh, he said he couldn't stay only about five minutes, and... As soon as I got him aside, I said, I understand, old boy, you're pretty thirsty. Uh, I don't want to keep you long, but uh, Henrietta discreetly let us into the library just as you come in the door there. We shut the door and began to talk. And we kept talking until 11 o'clock at night. And there, I think, something passed between us, and the spark was struck. If you look at Dr. Bob's story in the book Alcoholics Anonymous, you will see that he was not very much impressed with my spiritual qualifications. And if that were so, uh, he was quite right about it. I never have made too much headway myself. But he was impressed by the fact that I was an alcoholic who had suffered his agonies, knew every twist and turn of his warped mind, and moreover, even though he was a doctor, I was able to bring him medical knowledge of alcoholism, showing him how it was an obsession, though once a habit, but now an obsession that condemned him to drink against his will and a physical sensitivity that guaranteed he would go die, die or go mad if the drinking went on. Such was the age-old dilemma of Time out of mind. And Bob understood, and I suppose that struck him at death. For you see, I had stopped talking then about my spiritual qualifications and my bright light experience and all that kind of business. In fact, old Doc Silkworth says, my friend, you've got the court card before the horse. You've got to punch it into these drunks if they're fatally ill. And coming from you, it may strike deep enough to soften them up. And if you read Dr. Bob's story, you'll see that is the essence of the impression that I made on him that day. Well, he did sober up and departed from us in 1950. The prince of all 12-steppers, my most beloved friend, with whom I can say there was never an angry argument 
or a hard word in all of our association. And that is a tribute to him and not to me, because I've had lots of hard words with lots of people, but never with Dr. Bob. Well, Annie was a prudent person, and you know that prudence rates high in the, in the list of Christian virtues. She thought to herself, well, now if I invite this fellow Bill over to the house, he can kind of keep an eye on Bob. In fact, they might be able to keep an eye on each other. I wanted to carry on this little proxy break that I was in. A lawsuit was going. So I go over to live at the Smith household. Never can I forget those early mornings there and sitting by the fireplace. Our quiet time, reading from the Bible, Corinthians, that greatest of all definition of love, James, who said that faith without works is dead. That's very powerful. We've just been listening to Bill Wilson talk about Dr. Bob at the Akron Founders Day uh, celebration in June of 1954. Uh, that's a powerful uh, message there right out of Bill's mouth, isn't it, isn't it Michael? Oh. Absolutely, John. And, you know, to think that from 1935, when they had that meeting that Bill was talking about on Mother's Day, you know, to today, there's over 2 million members in Alcoholics Anonymous based on their most recent statistics. But yet there are people finding recovery through the 12 steps that Bill wrote shortly after that meeting. And CA, uh, which is Cocaine Anonymous, OA, uh, NA, PA, GA, SA. And I understand that from 1951 until now, the AA World Service Office has granted permission for more than 600 organizations to use the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous. And the result yeah. is that it's become uh, uh, just a worldwide phenomenon in the recovery field. And, uh, you know, this year alone in the U.S., we'll have over 21 million people enter treatment this year. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, the, the people who go to treatment aren't necessarily going to Alcoholics Anonymous, but uh, many of them do. And many go to Alcoholics Anonymous that never have to go to treatment. Yeah. So, Michael, when we come back... We're going we're gonna to hear some more excerpts and from Sister Ignatia. You can tell us who she is. And, and Bill's going to play the violin on a certain track. So <laughs> we, we've been talking to Michael Fitzpatrick, and his new book is uh, Bob and Bill Speak. And we'll be right back in a minute. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned 
common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. Kelly covers our relationship with food and teaches us how easy eating well and living well can be, taking us on a weekly food journey, guiding us to a more rich and vibrant life. So tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. Um... We've been speaking with Michael Fitzpatrick, and the new book is called Bob and Bill Speak, AA Co-Founders Tell Their Stories. We just heard a track. Uh, we heard Bill Wilson speaking at the, uh, at the Founders Day event in Akron, Ohio, in June of 1954, talking about Bill and Bob's, uh, his meeting with Dr. Bob. And it's very powerful to hear the words come out of their mouth. Before we go any further, Michael, um, how, do, how can folks get a hold of this book? Well, the book is available at, at Hazelden, who published the book, uh-huh. as well as all online bookstores, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target. Uh, they all have the book available online. Okay. And then your, the other website to hear the the speakers and, and this mountain of tapes that you're piling through is called it's recoveryspeakers.com and folks can go there uh check that out even while the show is on and you can kind of see what michael's been doing and uh it's kind of a momentous task thousands of real to real and i i imagine you're going to find something in there that nobody's ever heard before which will be pretty exciting for you know, a lot of people. Well, you know, it certainly is. Um, there's a clip actually in the book. Hopefully, we'll have a chance to play it of uh, Bill Wilson playing the violin, and okay. uh, that that was wonderful to come across that. And there have been some other real gems from the early convention in 1950, the first international, and uh, you know, we've been able to make those available as well. Right. Let's talk about Sister Ignatia because she. Uh, I've read in the book here, she had a very close relationship with Dr. Bob, was very instrumental in a lot of things that happened. Uh, she was even instrumental in what we would call the treatment model these days. I think many people aren't aware of that and, and her influence uh, on the creation of medallions and, and uh, just a lot of stuff in this book. But I've never, um, you know, I've heard her name before. Uh, but I've never heard of anyone, you know, in your field talk about hearing her talk. So why don't we put up track 12, and before we start it, just tell us a little bit more about Sister Ignatia and your, how you felt when you heard this little segment. Well, 
Well, you know, Sister Ignacia was a, a, a nun who was working at one of the local hospitals at St. Thomas Hospital when Dr. Bob and Bill were, were getting the AA program underway. And she was one of the first non-alcoholic contributors to the AA model and actually did things, uh, you know, that she probably shouldn't have done. One story she likes to tell is, is Dr. Bob wanted a private room for a patient. They didn't have a room available. So she took the room, they called it the flower room, where they would prepare the flowers that were going to the patients. And she cleared that out, put a bed in there so they could put a drunk in there for detox. Um, she was an incredible, incredible person who did uh, just tremendous what, what AA refers to as 12-step work, and that's just carrying the message to the alcoholic. She stayed with Dr. Bob for 15 years um, until Dr. Bob's death in 1950, working with him through St. Thomas Hospital. And then after that, she went on to Cleveland, and in Cleveland, she started a ward at the hospital she was at there, and they actually uh, named the ward uh, RHS, Rosary Hall Solarium, but she used Dr. Bob's initials to name it, which was Robert Holbrook Smith. So she oh. took those initials and named the ward in Cleveland. Where was St. Thomas Hospital? I, was St. That Thomas in was in Akron. Okay. And then well, she let's, moved let's to listen Cleveland. to her talk here, and then she's she's actually been invited to speak. Uh, this is in your book at an AA International, and when we're done with this, you can tell us what that means. This is July third, nineteen sixty, track number twelve. Sister Ignatia recalls Dr. Bob and his wife N. S. During Doctor's time, I think we treated before between four and five thousand. And he treated them, he came in every day unless he was out of town or something like that. And uh, without any charge, he said, that's my contribution to AA. Of course, in those days, they didn't have too much either to start with. And you couldn't mention money very well or how much it would cost because if we just get them sober, there'd be a great deal. But that was taken care of later on. Thank God. It worked out very well. And they are no problem. Oh, many times, whether they have it or don't, we take them in because God certainly provides. And the man who gets his program is everlastingly grateful. Doctor, uh, it was hard to understand. Sometimes he'd make rounds and he'd come down and say, Sister, let that man go home. He doesn't want this program. Oh, but Doctor has a big family and he has this, that, and the other. Doesn't want the program, Sister. He isn't ready. So he was always right. Many times they'd frighten me, you know, so they'd have a heart attack, or they would tell me they had a bad heart or something. And I hated to bother Doctor too much. Often I'd call Anne. I think members of this group, or any alcoholic, should often say a prayer for Anne because she was the backbone of this. In her calm, quiet way, she was really an angel. I would call her and say, Oh, Anne, I'm so worried about this fellow. She knew most of them from either reputation or doctor telling about them. And uh, she would get the doctor if it was anything serious, but otherwise she'd say, Now, don't worry about him because well, they have a... They have a um, 
They're allobiologists, in other words. And I learned they were. They do anything to uh, promote another drink or treatment of some kind. So, well, uh, we take them but once. That was doctor's plan, too. I thought, oh, my. That's kind of strict, isn't it? But, oh, I see the wisdom of it. Because if there is a merry-go-round, when that temptation comes, you're going to think, well, I can get back in there for five or six days. Well, that'll be all right. Sister's good. She'll take me back. And I'd only be encouraging their drinking. They know that it's a one-way trip. Wow. They know that it's a one-way trip. Yeah. Can you tell us that there's a very, lot of people? Yeah, it sounds like stout. she's talking to a lot of people. Um, this is at an AA International. Maybe you need to tell us what that means. Yeah. Well, every five years, Alcoholics Anonymous has what they call an international convention where they uh, open things up and let uh, let the members get together for some of the largest gatherings that certainly they ever have had. They've had it every five years since 1950. The most recent one was in uh, San Antonio, and they had over 65,000 members gathered together for uh, four days of meetings and fellowship there in San Antonio, and they're uh, preparing for their 80th, the 80th AA anniversary, which will be next June 10th, of 2015, and the following month, in the beginning of July, they'll have their uh, annual or their their every five-year anniversary and uh, international celebration, and that's going to be in Atlanta, Georgia, uh-huh. at the beginning of July next year. So every five years they've done that. The one that they did in Long Beach, where Sister Ignatia uh, spoke, and they often had non-alcoholics speak at these. Uh, uh-huh. that had contributed to the society or, or had worked closely with the with the AA fellowship and movement. Um, and that was the third international. The first one was in Cleveland, the second was in St. Louis, and then the third one was in Long Beach, California. In 1960, this is where yeah. she, she spoke. And the P, I, I, uh, in the book you talk about Bill saying, you know, there, there may have been more than two founders of Alcoholics Anonymous, and, and absolutely he's talking about Sister Ignatia and her relationship with Dr. Bob. I mean, it's good to read in this book uh, why it was so important. We have another segment I'd like to play uh, in, in this uh, portion of the program, and to actually hear Dr. Bob now it's fairly descriptive that Bill uh, W. or Bill Wilson is a pretty much a salesman, right? And Dr. Bob is a doctor, and they're two different kind of people, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah. So Dr. And- Bob in this talk is going to talk on love and service. Uh, and it's called a farewell talk at the, the First International in Cleveland. This is 1950. I believe. Let's listen to track number 13. Love and service are the essence of AA, says Dr. Bob in his farewell talk in 1950. If you will pardon the objection of a personal note at this time, let me say that I've been in bed for five of the last seven months. 
my strength hasn't returned as I'd like, so my remarks will necessarily be very brief. But there were five, two or three things that flashed into my mind on which it would be fitting to lay a little emphasis. One is the simplicity of our program. Let's not lock it all up with Freudian complexes and things that are interesting to the scientific mind but have very little to do with our actual AA work. Our 12 steps when simmered down to a, the last resolve themselves into the words love and service. We understand what love is and we understand what service is. So let's bear those two things in mind. Let us also remember to guide that erring member of the tongue. And if we must use it, let's use it with kindness and consideration and tolerance. And one more thing, none of us would be here today if somebody hadn't taken time to explain things to us, to give us a little pat on the back to take us to a meeting or two, uh, to have done uh, numerous little kind and thoughtful acts in our past. So let us never get the degree of smart complacency so that we're not willing to extend or attempt to that help that has been so beneficial to us to our less fortunate growth. Thank you very much. We'll be right back. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. This is John McAndrew. We've been talking to Michael Fitzpatrick, who has uh, written several books. Uh, this new one is called Bob and Bill Speak. 
and it's the Alcoholics Anonymous co-founders telling their stories. Uh, we just heard uh, a really powerful track, uh, Dr. Bob talking on love and service, and I want to follow up, but remind folks that the book's available at, uh, through Hazelden and Amazon. Uh, of course, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, it's available on uh, all of the electronic formats, the ebook. And the ebooks, I didn't mention, it's actually have embedded audio. So uh, when they're reading the book on their um, uh, on their player, mm-hmm. they can click a link and it'll play the the recording of, that I was using at that time. Little excerpts of it. Oh, very good. In your other, I guess your real work life, I want to mention that you work for American Addiction Centers as a treatment consultant and. Uh, We'll tell the folks about that now, and then maybe we can follow up in the next segment. Uh, you can tell us sure, a little great. bit, yeah, little bit know, more about uh, that. You know, um, I, I'm sorry, John. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, 21 million people in the U.S. will enter into treatment this year, and I had the opportunity to come on board with American Addiction Centers uh, back uh, last year, and American Addiction Centers is actually a national network of inpatient dual diagnosis treatment centers where they offer detox and all kinds of services for people who are needing treatment. And, uh, you know, if a family or a family member needs to uh, call or find out more about American Addiction Centers, they can call uh, the toll-free number, which is 866-537-6237, or if they wanted to talk to me directly about American Addiction Centers, they can call me at 480-406-8957. And uh, my experience with the company is it's a fantastic company that's really doing a great job to help people get started with lifetime recovery, and they believe in complete abstinence, and they use the 12-step model. So it works very, very well with the work that I've been doing over the years with the writing and the history and things with Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. Very good. And I'll, In the last segment, we'll give that information again to our listeners. I want to follow up on Dr. Bob. That recording, obviously, that was the first international, and the recording was not the best in the world, but some, certainly some things popped out in Dr. Bob's talk, didn't they? Some very... I heard, don't louse it all up. Where did that come from? Well, you know, it's amazing how uh, that was only the second recording uh, known that Dr. Bob had ever, uh, where his voice was recorded. And one was recently found a couple of years ago where he talked for a few minutes in Washington, D.C. And then I have a recording of Dr. Bob, which is a personal message to Bill W., um, and I actually think that may be in the book. I don't have the list in front of me um, that was made in Dr. Bob's bedroom. But back uh-huh. then when Dr. Bob, you know, here was a man of science and of medicine uh, talking to the fellowship for what was going to be the last time. And he knew that. He was very sick. He had cancer. Yeah. He was, uh, you know, in his last days. And Dr. Bob felt so strong that he wanted to communicate to the fellowship at that time that let's not louse this up with Freudian complexes, which are our interest to the scientific 
uh, community, but have little to do with the actual 12-step work. And I think what Bob was really trying to address there was let's stay focused, uh, you know, as Alcoholics Anonymous on one alcoholic working with another. And he, and he ended that by saying, let's not forget, you know, to give that new man a pat on the back and, and some encouragement and take him to a few meetings. And that really has been kind of the, the cornerstone of Alcoholics Anonymous has been, you know, one, one member taking another member and sharing with him what their experience has been, him or her, uh, their experience, their strength, and their hope, and giving them that encouragement and taking them to meetings. And Dr. Bob's contribution just at that meeting, just in those few words, uh, as far as Alcoholics Anonymous, has tremendous historic value. Uh huh. Let's go to track 16 and get that queued up. This is where Bill Wilson talks about the writing of the 12 steps. This is also in Cleveland in 1950. So this is, um, am I correct in assuming this is at the same international convention? That's correct. Okay. So tell us about, just lead us into this. Tell us what about the 12 steps. Now, did Bill W. write the 12 steps? Yeah. Uh, you know, Bill had talked about the uh, the twelve steps being a a continuation of what they were using at the time. They had six steps that they that they formulated. Uh, one was you know surrender or deflation. The next step was recognition of a power greater than themselves. The next step was simply an inventory, a personal housekeeping of an inventory what their life was. The next step was a confession. Then the, the step after that was restitution, where they go out and, and make right for the wrongs they had done. And then the final, the sixth step was working with others, carrying the message to others. And uh-huh. Bill, when he was writing the book, recognized he needed to go into more detail on these steps. So he took the experience of those first members over the three and a half years that AA was going, and he through conversations with them and their experience, he was able to elaborate on the six steps and created 12 steps, and that's what AA uses today, as well as all of these other uh, 12-step programs all use those steps. Let's listen to track 16. This is Bill Wilson. Bill discusses the writing of the 12 steps. And I laid there with a pad and a pencil, and I began to think over these six steps that I've just recited to you. And said I to myself, well, if we put down these six steps, the chunks are too big. They'll have to digest too much all at once. Besides, they can wiggle out from in between. And if we're going to do a book, we ought to break those up into smaller pieces. So I began to write, and then about a half an hour, I think, uh, I had busted them up into smaller pieces, and then I was rather pleasantly surprised that when numbered, they added up to 12. Well, that's significant, very nice. At this point, a couple of drunks sailed in, and I showed them the proposed 12 steps, and I caught fits. Why did we need 12 when 6 were doing fine? And what did I mean by dragging God from the bottom of the list up to the top? 
And meanwhile, uh, these meetings in the front parlor had largely turned into hassles over the chapters of the book. The roughs were submitted and read at every meeting. So that when the 12 steps were proposed, there was a still greater hassle. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, I think with any kind of progressive uh, movement or anything that uh, has to start from kind of scratch, they certainly had their little tussles with each other, didn't they? This wasn't uh, <laughs> this wasn't like just a smooth thing that Bill and Bob just did. There was a whole lot of undercurrent and a lot more history to that, and. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I laugh, John, because you have to remember they were dealing with drunks. Yeah. And, and most of them had only been sober a matter of weeks. So there were a lot of egos. There were a lot of battles. There was a lot of uh, people who were uncomfortable. They were dealing with atheists and dealing with people who were, you know, uh, way to the right in religion and very conservative. So they had a real mix of people. And, uh, you know, studying the, the history of the, of the movement and really in particular Bill Wilson's life, you can see how uh, later when he wrote the traditions, even back when the book was just being formulated, he went out and did what he later referred to a, as a group conscience. He let all these folks give their input. And as a result of that input, he was able to come up with, uh, with the writing of the book, the writing of the steps and the whole program, which is just, you know, looking back, it's, it's unbelievable. Let's listen to track 18. We'll close out this segment with this. And uh, I think when this track is over, we'll probably go to break. But this is part of what you were talking about. This is a talk the, where Bill Wilson reminds everybody that Alcoholics Anonymous should be inclusive. This is track 18. In the same speech, Bill calls for inclusivity. Next, let us recall, it is a historical fact that almost every group of men and women tends to become more dogmatic. As time passes, their beliefs and their practices harden, sometimes to the point of freezing. Up to a point, this is a natural process, not all of it bad. Certainly people must rally to the call of their convictions, and we of AA are in consequence no exception. Obviously, too, we should have the right to voice our convictions. This is good principle. This is good dogma. But dogma also has its liabilities. Simply because we have convictions that work well for us as of now, it becomes quite easy to assume that we have all of the truth. Whenever this sort of prideful arrogance develops, we become aggressive. We demand agreement with us. We play God. This is very bad dogma indeed. For us of AA, it could someday become especially destructive. For example, newcomers are approaching us at the rate of tens of thousands yearly. They represent nearly every belief and attitude imaginable. 
We have atheists and agnostics, people of many races, cultures, religions. Now we of AA are supposed to be bound together in a kinship of common suffering. Hence there must be full individual liberty to believe in any creed, in any principle, in any treatment. Surely these are liberties to be remembered by us. Therefore, never let us pressure people with our individual or even with our collective views. Instead, let us accord to each other that respect and love, which is truly the due of every human being as he tries to make his way toward the light. Let us always try to be inclusive rather than exclusive. Let us forever remember that every alcoholic among us is a member of AA for so long as he or she so declares. Wow, very powerful. We'll be right back with Michael Fitzpatrick. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Well, welcome back, everyone. We're still with Michael Fitzpatrick. We closed that last segment with a very powerful talk by Bill Wilson, which is in this book, uh, Bob and Bill Speak. And uh, the title of that track is Bill Reminds All That AA Should Be Inclusive. And in that little track, boy, there's a, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, and it really kind of provided the platform for AA to grow and to stick together. And uh, I, that's one of the, that's a pretty powerful three minutes of talking, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, uh, Wilson had a knack for seeing way, way into the future. And I think as the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous has grown, so have many of these other uh, offshoot organizations. And I think, Bill was very specific in Alcoholics Anonymous being all-inclusive, but he also knew and had wisdom to know 
that and he in his traditions he said shoemaker stick to thy last let's do one thing and do it well and that really is the work with the alcoholic and uh you know all these other organizations that are that are going so well are very much supported by Alcoholics Anonymous and encouraged to carry the message to the people they can carry it to. Yeah. We promised the listeners a little bit of a surprise, and you kind of told us about it earlier in the show. This is track 21. I want to play this up front now so that we don't run out of time. It's June 1947, and it's Bill and Bob talking via wire recordings. Now, uh, can you explain to me what a wire recording is? I... <laughs> yeah, it's actually that. It looks like a spool of wire um, that is about the same size as fishing line, although it's metal. And uh, when I had gotten this library, in, the, in one of the boxes was 13 wire recorders with a note um, from Bill W.'s wife, Lois, to the folks who own this library, and she donated the school. So these were personal wires that belonged to Bill Wilson. Wow. Let's listen to this, track 21, and then he closes by playing the violin. Let's listen. In 1947, Dr. Bob sent a personal message by wire recording to Bill, who responded likewise, closing his message by playing a German folk tune on his violin. According to uh, Trowbridge, the ubiquitous Mr. Hood is, has descended on the Smith for a short time, which is really an unexpected pleasure. We're both confined to the house yet, but uh, have hopes of getting out in circulation before too long. I uh, regret and am also that we can't come to Bedford Hills for a little recuperated period. Right now, but uh, if you'll give us a rain check, maybe we'll show up next fall or winter. They tell us that they're doing very nicely, although I have discovered that uh, surgery varies a good deal. As the weather is done on you, uh, you do it on the other fellow. That changes the picture quite a bit. I think uh, possibly my recent experience will make me a little kinder and more thoughtful to those who are recipients of my handicraft. Well, uh, we at least can look forward to a nice chat with you, I hope, in the early fall. And we appreciate the fact that you are willing to send us the rain check. Hello, Ann and Bob. Isn't this a great gadget that we have to talk through? It was mighty good to hear from George how much better you both are. You have no idea how terrifically concerned so many of us have been. Now that the worst is over, we can all breathe better. I've just been having a long talk with George about the state of AA affairs out through the country. And he has sharpened up to me, as he doubtless did to you, the tremendous necessity of getting some sort of of council organized which can relate the foundation to the AA groups. I also went over the internal situation here with George and on the whole he is inclined to think that the changes suggested in the reorganization plan are really necessary for us here in New York before we actually start the formation of a council. 
We'd awfully much like to know if you want to come down to Bedford Hills sooner than the fall. But I suppose there is small use in begging you. You know, I still feel very awkward and hard put to find words to talk into this microphone. As you see, I have a good deal of mic fright. Even now, I'm beginning to get more and more confused. In fact, my face is getting quite red. For you know, I am not one who usually likes words. Lois and I hope you both will surely get well and strong. And that very, very fast. We think of you so very, very much, dear people. And look forward to the moment when we can see her. See you. I've still got the mic fight. This is your announcer cutting in. We're now going to have a violin solo by Bill the Virtuoso. amazing, isn't it? He played the violin pretty well. He had to cut in there because Bob was choking up a little bit, and he's not nearly the ham that Bill is. Michael, this program has been very, very uh, informative and powerful. We want to remind our listeners that it will be archived on Voice America, the Health and Wellness Channel. Go to One Hour at a Time with Mary Woods, and all our programs are archived there. But look for Michael Fitzpatrick and in this last half a minute, Michael, tell us where you can get the book and how to get a hold of you at American Addiction Centers. Okay. Well, three things. One, the books are available at Hazelden, Amazon, and all online book dealers. Um, they may be available in the, some of the Barnes & Noble stores as well, but that's a select market for those. Uh, the American Addiction Centers, if someone's having a problem or has a loved one with an addiction issue, they can call me directly at 480-406-8957, and I can see if we're able to help them. Or they can call the toll-free number at 866-537-6237 and let them know that they heard about American Addiction Centers on the program and through Michael Fitzpatrick. Uh, the other thing is if someone wants to reach me through the website, which is recoveryspeakers.com, all they need to do is click contact us, and that goes directly to me. Thank you, and thank everyone for tuning in today. Uh, and until next time, so long. 
We appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.